The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. show about short video games games that respect your time i'm reagan kelly and i am joined this week by orb laura nash the blue orb and orb shane kelly and this week we are orb we are talking about orb cocoon the video game uh i was going to make a joke here where i was going to say that we're talking this week about the 1985 uh american science fiction comedy drama film directed by ron howard uh, but I thought, actually, on second thought, I think a lot of our listeners might be so young that they would have never seen that wonderful w- w- Wilford Brimley vehicle. Including myself? <laughs> ah, you sweet summer child. I mean, this was before we were born. So what, when did you watch Cocoon? <laughs> Not everyone yet? lived in Blockbuster. It was, on, it was on broadcast television every five minutes. Yeah, this was, it's also a thing, like, there was a time where, like, you would walk into Blockbuster, and if you were a young nerd and you wanted to watch a science fiction film, your options were like, well, Star Wars is checked out. Guess I'll watch this thing about old people. And there's an alien in it, according to the, uh, according to the box. You're making so. the assumption I got to rent movies mm-hmm. myself and did not get them chosen or taken away by my parents. Um, right. We, like, we grew up in slightly different households. True A <laughs> little enough. bit. Yeah. Well, you don't need to go and watch the 1985 film Cocoon. You really, really, really don't. But you really do need to play Cocoon the video game. I think it's great. It's so rad. Man, I love a puzzle game, but I especially love a puzzle game that um, is this puzzly. I would love to know what you you two felt because this was like Inception the puzzle game and I was here for it. Totally, totally. I, so I, what I thought was particularly – so the, re, the reason that I've been looking forward to this game for literally like, I don't know, since I first heard about it, which must have been over a year ago, maybe more, um, was that this is the first game from a new sort of splinter, you know, group from Playdead. Uh, so there's two key play, former Playdead employees um, who started their own game dev studio called Geometric Interactive. There is um, – uh, Jacob Schmid and uh, Jeppe Carlson. And Carlson was the lead gameplay designer for Limbo and Inside. And so both of those are games that I absolutely loved, right? Like incredible games. Um, but they have taken an interesting new direction. I, You know, when I first heard about this game, I was like, oh, cool. A new game from the Inside guys. I bet it's a lot like the Inside game. Um, but it is not, except in the fact that yeah, it is not a really. game where wherein you go inside of things. So that's still here. Um, but it is. Did unlike... you really go inside of things in Inside? I thought it was not quite Actually, that. That's true. There was not so much inside. Yeah, this one is top down. Uh, you're not going right to left anymore. Shock. <laughs> left to right. That's how. <laughs> that's how directions work. I'm still broken from stage managing. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for those who in this didn't platform, do theater, where you can go I, stage right. <laughs> yeah, you go stage right, hundred um, percent. Yes, uh, but it does make a huge difference. It makes the feel 
quite different, even though you are doing a lot of uh, similar mind stretching. It has a very different feel to it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't let it go yet because I'm just, my brain is full of Mario like you're hitting the D-pad and he said, do you mean a right or am I a right? <laughs> <laughs> That's my life. I still hold up the, the right and left hand because I'm, I'm very used to holding up my left hand, making the L and saying the word right from stage managing direction <laughs> that I'm completely yeah. broken. I do uh, know my right from my left, but uh, so not tonight, say. apparently. Yeah. But let's get back to so- pondering our orb. Yes, 100%. ponder away. So, yeah, this was obviously like a pedigree on this game, despite being a new game from a brand new studio. Um, but it is it is also, I think, pretty different from those those previous games like Inside and and uh, and uh, um, and Limbo, because I think it's more puzzle forward than those games. Those games had like light puzzles. This is I, I would not say this game is like a heavy, hardcore puzzle game only for the puzzle nerds, Mm-mm. but this is is one it's like a i think it's on the on the level with games like portal where it's like this is a game that really starts with simple puzzles and then blows your mind with the the wild implications of its strange puzzle mechanic um and it's it's a new puzzle mechanic at least new for me um the big pitch here is that this is a game we'll talk about the like visual trappings of all this later it has interesting theming to go with all of this but Ultimately, this is a game where you're a little guy who can carry around orbs, and each of these orbs is a world in and of itself. And at various places, you can take these orbs and dive into the orb and go into it's each of these orbs is essentially its own little planet. And you can dive into the orb and do stuff in there and then come back out and then carry that orb around. And you'll be interacting with multiple different worlds throughout this game. And many of the puzzles involve doing different activities that require going in and out of different worlds. And in fact, even carrying one world, one orb with you into another in weird nested fuckery that I thought was got almost to the point where I couldn't handle it, but never made me feel dumb. Is that like uh, two episodes really cool. in a row that you've managed to use the phrase nested fuckery? No, I think I just used it in the discord <laughs> about this specific game. I can't think of any other situation where I've used that phrase, but if so, <laughs> listeners, you may call me on it. I found it really relaxing at times and sometimes very, um challenging uh because i think that the i've I've called it inception the game kind of as a joke but you are going in and out to grab things from one world go into the next um coming in and out um of the shell world uh and i think the i was also impressed that Besides that core mechanic, the other mechanics were good because I have been in kind of recursive games where the loop was Mm -hmm. tight. And then when you were in the worlds, I hated doing things. And to me, what made this shine is that I was able to enjoy the movement mechanics, the special power ups, the flavors of the world, but also the moving in and out worked well like yeah both worked and i was expecting only one two maybe because i've had a lot of games where like not everything gelled that i've played recently so i was pleasantly surprised for me both the worlds themselves were enjoyable and moving between them was how did it feel for y'all for me very similar the feeling in this game the way like as you're saying like the the way it felt just to play it 
-hmm. really took me back to um, maybe to eco the most. Like I can see that. Yeah. yeah. So in, in eco, you have all of the puzzles and and so on are are related to um, this girl that you're kind of escorting through everything. And in this, uh, you know, she has certain abilities and can help you with stuff. In this, your um, your friend is the orb. Your only friend is the orb. And um, so the the for me. Um, the puzzle of the game like really works very, very cool, uh, very well, very, it's so much fun to just sort of uh, get to that next step. Like every time you have these weird moments of like, what can I bring in or out? How can I get this and this into this place? Um, you know, I, somebody grab a transition. I'm desperate. Well, I'll grab a transition <laughs> because to me, one of the most generous things and the thing that, probably cut this down to an actual short game is that the game blocks off paths once you're yeah. done with them. Yeah, <laughs> you really know is. that you can't backtrack because it literally closes things. Like you fly somewhere on a pad, you get some, you top off, it will leave if you don't want, it doesn't want you going back and it will stay there if it does. So mm -hmm. the game is really good at narrowing mm -hmm. the pathways. Every time I stopped and came back and I wanted to go backtrack to see if the solution lay elsewhere, they were like, no, there's four things in this room. It's like a perpetual locked room mystery. It's like mm -hmm. solve it with this stuff. And I think that kindness made me feel really intelligent. Yeah. Moving forward is always the right move in these puzzles, yeah. which, which I, I found like really, really like it, it kept, it kept propelling me forward. You know, there'd be times in almost any puzzle game, there's times where I'm like, ah, oh, I see there's a path forward. I could take it, but have I done the thing that I need to do in this space first before I move on? Am I about to bone myself or make, mm -hmm. or am I just going to have to turn around and come right back? And in almost every case, the answer was just like, just move forward because this is a puzzle game that has, has a sense of momentum in a way that like some puzzle games just don't. Um, it, I, I, I felt like I was like moving like almost the entire time. And that's a huge thing from uh, inside in limbo is that like forward momentum. And I, I think that, it's not as stagey, like it's not mm -hmm. like there are not stages per se, like this is a little bit, there are, there are clear levels, but it's kind of like when you get to a world, you get to a milestone. But um, I did think that momentum it feels important to the devs, which I found interesting. It's not normally a design principle for puzzle games. Yeah, maybe there, you're right. There are a lot of puzzle games where like when you do get stuck, which happens in every puzzle game, at least to me, uh, the the momentum is completely killed. But this game, you usually because it's locking off the bad paths pretty well for for you. But you still have often a lot of different ways you can go by going to the different worlds. Um, and you kind of have to think like, well, I have this available available here, I can get to this place over here. Um, it, it's it's impressive that they're able to keep your options l both like feeling limited and open uh, and feel keep you from feeling too like locked off. Um, once you have those puzzles where you start having to bounce back and forth quite a lot between the different little worlds, um, it, that's exactly where I started to find places where I would get stuck. Like, oh, I've got to leave something inside one of these in, in order to move it and get around it. And there are the different kind of 
lock and key systems. Uh, Anybody have... Let's let's backtrack a little bit and talk about just sort of... We haven't yet talked about the look of the game. Right. This is a game that almost doesn't have a a story. Um, And it's actually kind of hard to explain like what the game is quote unquote about because it is is like a... It's a it's a weird trip, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, I almost thought about games like Thumper because mm-hmm. like not only just because it has a uh, a visual style that I feel like is sort of like next door to this but also because it's like it's a game that's like about a thing but the thing that it's about is a weird space bug that you have no context for so like this is literally that it's a it's a game about you play as a little space bug guy you uh you seem to be born at the beginning of the game from some kind of perhaps the titular cocoon i don't know mm-hmm. what is the cocoon in this game Unclear. Ask Wil- Wilford Brimley. Um, but you're you're born from uh you're born from orb you are born and from orb you shall re- to orb you shall return. Um, you're you're born at the beginning of the game, I think maybe, and you uh you are a weird little guy. You're a kind I of a bug guy. I don't know. Yeah, like a little bug guy. You've Marfa. got wings. Yeah, you, I think he's kind of a little like turquoise cockroach. You know. Um, I I was constantly second guessing whether or not he has arms. It's hard to say at the scale that he's appears on screen. Uh, It's not like this game makes you have a gun. You never fight. You're just kind of picking up orbs on your back. So you might not have arms. I think he may not have arms, but he certainly has orb grippers. So Mm -hmm. he can carry the orb on his back uh, and he doesn't seem to drop it ever. So he's got something uh, and uh, that's that's really all you get for the story of the game in terms of structure. Like, you know, I, it, it continues to add new orbs. So we start off with one orb and then, you know, once you've figured out how to move your orb around and complete some simple puzzles, you get a second orb and you get the the interesting idea of like bringing one orb inside of another, etc. cetera. Um, and it does eventually start introducing kind of bosses. So, one of the things that I think might be weakest about this game is that it uh, it punctuates its puzzles with occasional, I guess you would call them boss fights, but since it's not, the, the game doesn't exactly have combat mechanics, it continues to introduce like different things that you can do, like it, everything that you can interact with in this game is shaped like an orb, so it'll be like, hey, you're locked in a room with yeah. a giant, I don't know, enemy crab, and you have to manipulate spidery but four legs or yeah and you manipulate some orb like things in order to you know hit it six times or something um i don't think the boss fights were the strength area for this game and it especially had some little things that were like interstitial non-boss fight elements like Mm. it has this one interaction that you have to do occasionally where you have to use this one of the orbs can shoot out little beams of light or like bullets of light uh-huh. i guess and there's an element that that it does maybe three or four times where you have to do that in quick succession in sort of increasingly difficult like quick aim and fire kind of mechanic and like whenever this game strayed away from its central thing of like solving these really quite extremely clever puzzles with the orbs and it moved into like boss fight or you know uh dexterity challenge or what have you like yeah. every time i kind of like resented it i was like let me get back to the orbs baby like where are my orbs i kind of was the opposite I, on on that yeah, i really I liked the uh yeah i like those a lot i i think 
they you go from a um, kind of a logic challenge uh, to an occasional and not very um, punishing skill challenge. And mm -hmm. the, the it's important to point out, like, you're not kicked back a long ways if you fail. You're kind of a one hit out on these. But usually it's like only a three only perfecting something that escalates like two or three, what, three or four times. And mm -hmm. when you are hit, you're thrown out, but you can get right back in. It's like there's almost no waiting to get back in to conf confronting that boss again. So yeah, you're very much like a little kid that got like thrown out of the room and then just like opens the door and walks straight back in. Like that's that's the yeah. <laughs> to me. I enjoyed them as like a break from the puzzle. It, it felt like a punctuation. Yeah, mark because at the it end, was a break. you got a different um, the orbs leveled up. Um, yeah, you got a special power with the orb. It was like activating the orb. Um, I guess late guardians of each orb. Um, I, I I did have like probably more deaths than I should have because I was impatient to get back to the puzzling. But I think that on the whole, they they didn't bother me. They felt like they, th they were teaching me skills I later used. Like um, with one of the orbs, I needed to be better at aiming. And then later on, I realized the orb's power was shooting um, beams mm -hmm. of light. And I was like, oh, I learned in the boss fight how to aim my trigger to move in a way. And that's the same exact skill I'm applying later. So it didn't always happen that way. But I felt like the boss fights were more themed than many i have played so it didn't bother me as much as it could have they didn't feel they weren't the most organic but they were not offensive to me in any way and i, I like yeah, you're, you're not wrong like they're they're good they're, they're okay but like i i think of the parts of the game they're the part i probably liked mm -hmm. the least which is That's you know, like um and and i'm i think i had more trouble with some of them like i i got quite stuck on one of the bosses and i was frankly, pretty pissed off about it at the time. Once I got past it, you know, all was forgiven. I'm back to the orb, baby. But like, I did my I customary. Was pretty pissed off at oh, that thing. I'm getting stuck on a boss. I'm going to go make tea or do something else for a half hour and come back. And magically, I'm way better at the game. Like, you know, mm, I think every time yeah, I had the ability to do that, though. That is the um, childless lifestyle I live. <laughs> I mm. can just be like, I have endless time to play video games, baby. Sorry to rub it in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. For me, it's like, wow, the kids are in bed, and I'm going to be passing out in 45 minutes. <laughs> Better mm -hmm. beat this so boss. So I gotta right keep now. doing this. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so this is a um, this is a, we we didn't mention at the top. This is a game that's out on everything, um, and I'm kind of impressed they managed to like launch on so many platforms all at once. So this is on. Um, Let's see. Uh, it's on PlayStation 4 and 5 and Windows and Xbox One and Series S and X or whatever and the Nintendo Switch all at once, which is impressive for a small studio like a, a f like across the board, multi-generation, every console launch. And it's on Game Pass. Like I was I mean, like. I had I had my choice of where to play this. I had played the Game Pass version. I booted up first on my downstairs Xbox. I switched to my upstairs Xbox. I switched to my Windows PC. I switched back when the the, the Windows version was broken and had no sound for no apparent reason and uh, had to switch back to the Xbox. But like I, I was I'm just going to 
I just wanted to mention that I thought it was really cool. Like we don't often play games that get this kind of like multi-console, multi-platform, everything release. I think it might be one of those like, you know, Game Pass money kind of things, but cool to see. And also cool to see things like launching on Game Pass that are still also getting a, a release on other consoles for places for folks who like aren't or don't want to do the Game Pass lifestyle. So I, you know, cool. Yeah, this for me was a very good use of the Game Pass. I just reactivated it, played it, <laughs> like easy peasy. I think I um, was very happy to play this on my big, beautiful projector. It looked so cool. This it game is. is super tactile and mechanical, like everything like clicks and clacks and moves. And there's a lot of, of something, flourishes. Something interesting I heard about the sound design is that, so hmm. like the the guy who did the sound for this game, um, he's primarily a, a composer and musician and not really like a sound design guy or hadn't, hadn't done that before, I believe. And so he just sort of experimented. And um, what he landed on was doing all of the sound with synthesizers. So unlike most games where like, you know, if you've got like footfalls or something, somebody goes out and records footfalls uh, and, you know, plays them or whatever. uh, All of the sound in this game Hmm. was done on synthesizers, including all the sound effects. And it has, I think it lends a sort of a, like a weird otherworldliness, even to like little stuff, like the sort of environmental sounds that you don't really think about. Um, None of it is fully. It's all, it's all synths. Um, That's, it was such a shame to me that I think you and I both encountered a bug uh, right at the end of our play that made oh, all yeah. the audio stop working. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah it was just I the could... Windows version. I switched back to Xbox because I wasn't having it, but it was really weird. Yeah, there was an Xbox. There was an update to the game um, like last night. <laughs> oh, no. And the game was working and, uh, just fine. And then they updated it. Was, it was. And, and it, it killed like it, no audio whatsoever. Um, I, I don't know if that's been fixed yet. Um, but it happened to both Shane and me simultaneously. So I think it can't can't have just been something weird about my setup. So don't know what's going on there. But the, the Xbox version was fine. Yeah, uh, Xbox played beautifully. One, one more thing while we're talking about audio that I thought was absolutely super cool with this. I don't, I wanted, I don't know if you guys noticed this. Um, I'm pretty sure I didn't imagine it. Um, this game has like a very, it's like a responsive soundtrack. Um, and what it seems to do is play more dramatic music when you are figuring it out like when the game is like you got it buddy you're you're doing it you're doing the right thing the thing the game designer wants you to do you're taking the orb to the right corner or whatever you nested the orb in the proper order (laughs) and then suddenly you hear the synthesizers go i'm like yeah dog that's super cool i loved i love that i love a responsive soundtrack a soundtrack that like you know does different things depending on what you're doing in the game that's become uh, i think something that a lot of games are doing but here it was like sometimes you just need that encouragement and once i realized like oh literally like that was actually a puzzle element for me i was like oh i must be doing it right because i hear the sound or like i'm like i wonder if it's this it was like pretty late in the game when i realized (laughs) the drones the lights were pointing in the direction you're supposed to go what um yeah i didn't realize that so so the drone would be pointing if you if you have your little drone light friend mm-hmm. it will always be shining a light in the direction it wants you to go into including when it wants you to go into the orb you're holding it will just point the light at yourself oh funny <laughs> to be like go realize. inside the orb you're holding you dork like it it will just keep 
Um, like it will point to the platform and then it will turn and point at you. Like put the orb in the thing. You're supposed to go inside. It, it was, um, it, sometimes I get sad when I had to use my drone to activate, um, cocoons. I don't know. Little organic yeah, things. Because I was like, no, my hint system has gone. I'll just have to rely <laughs> on the cool music to tell me when I'm going the right direction. But I, I, that's kind of that generosity thing I was saying that they turn off things, they put music in, the drone will point your way. It's not, you're not asking for hints, but you can choose to use the stuff if you want to make yeah. your life just a little easier. I didn't even notice that about the uh, the drones. That's pretty cool. Um, and I like that little system. Like it has a, you know, there's a number of times where you pick up these little like light buddies that follow you around and they did some really clever stuff with them. Things like, okay, well I can't take my light buddy past this thing that eats light buddies. So I have to figure out an alternate way around that kind of stuff. Like great puzzle element and overall great. I was always, always pleased when, when I had one of those hanging around me. I'm trying very hard not to talk about all of the skills of the orbs. Cause I think that was one of the more fun discoveries, but I will say, um, Every orb has a unique world design, mm-hmm. um, and some yes. of them are gloppy and gooey <laughs> and weird. Yeah, there's something really clever about it. Like every orb has a color. Obviously, there's the orange mm-hmm. orb, and you get like a you know a bluish greenish orb and a white orb. And very late in the game, you get a purple orb. Mm. And every one of them, you know, you you have a world inside it that is also kind of that color. But like, man, is there a lot of variety? Like, it does not feel like any part of these in you know these worlds inside the orbs is like a copy paste of any other part. Every part is like full of rich detail obviously there's like you know it's a puzzle game it's got to have like iconic elements where you're like oh it's one of those again so like it's it'll you know but it's never like oh i'm in a room that looks just like the last room it's incredibly varied incredibly detailed um but yeah every world looks a little different like there's the orange world looks kind of dry and dusty a little bit the you know there's there's a i think it was the purple world where everything looked sort of like 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 a di- diagram of a cell, you know, everything was like, oh, is that a, I don't know. Yeah. Golgi apparatus or whatever. Like it was, everything looked sort of like cellular, you know, um, every world like had gross. like a different, <laughs> yeah, gross, but also really cool. Um, every world had a like really cool, different look. Um, and that was really useful because it also helped keep you oriented. Like you would never forget like, oh, I, I forgot I was inside the white or purple or whatever orb. You always know where you are kind of um, pretty cool. Yeah, the, the visual style is great. I, I, I think the fact that the game kind of has no story frees the visual style up to be extremely out there and weird. Um, yeah. You know, they can present you with all of this. Uh, bizarre or based technology and you're just like okay you know that obviously the door opens because of the orb and you Mm -hmm. stand on things pressure plates are are orb shaped and all of that because it's there's no um it's hard to make sense of the story because it's basically like guy is born to hunt orb collects (laughs) orb ponders orb um in his world an orb is required in order to open every door. Um, but if you want to get one, you must fight a giant for it. Yeah. Uh, 
It's like, what is the story of Mario? Like, that's not why you're uh-huh. playing, and it's fine. I, I think to me, if they wanted to, if they had tried to put a story on top of this, I probably would have been miserable. Well, <laughs> like, this yeah. is the thing. The, this kind of Can threw me at first. Because, <laughs> yeah, it threw me at first because when we think about games like Limbo and Inside, the, you know, they're the, um, I guess, predecessors to this. And you also kind of put that in context with all of the different um, kind of wordless indie games like your little nightmares, your abzus, your I don't know. There's a lot of games that are in this genre that try and do this wordless story thing. Most of them have a lot more comprehensible story than this one. You know, even Mm. something like abzu, it's like guy goes scuba diving and sees a whale. I get it, you know. Uh, little nightmares, a pretty incomprehensible, but at least we're looking at a human being. And presumably. they're turning into a movie. They've bought the story yeah. race. Yeah, you know, it, I, it has a story if you dig deep enough. I think this one, it's like the story is kick-ass album cover, right? Like that's that's the whole of the story. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just a a nice wander through a weird world where the puzzles are the the central focus and yeah. to me but it's like that doesn't say like everything has sort of an evocative weird nature to it where you're like yeah I wonder but what you're that not is. like wandering you're not wandering off the path to try to get to pick up a note from someone's dead mom no. you are just like wandering off the path to see if there's a fork in the mm-hmm. road. Like you're literally. Yeah, there's just... a moon ancestor. Did you guys get any of the moon ancestors? I did ancestors? get many moon what ancestors. Is... Always by accident. <laughs> what? Shane, look at this guy. It's an achievement. Chump didn't get any moon ancestors. If What's you a moon ancestor? Off, if you go <laughs> off the path, you sometimes release things and then suddenly like a creature will pop out and you'll get an achievement that pops up and says releases. You released a moon ancestor. Um, oh, man. That's see, that's the real story of this game is like, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, dude, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, uh, the whole universe were just some bugs Metro card and he was releasing moon ancestors. Yeah, buddy. Um, I did not get nearly all of the moon ancestors. They're they're all pretty, I think, cleverly hidden. There's little things like um, how did I miss all of those oil stacks? They're the little balls of oil that um are floating on top of each other like a little oh, yeah, string things. of pearls yeah. those goes go towards the moon ancestors mm-hmm. so they're, they're kind like of your slightly uh-huh. hidden most of the time or there'll be like things like well okay i've like i've come into this area and there's a clear thing that i need to do here but i could go over there i could mm-hmm. walk for about five minutes and find a moon ancestor and they're all just sort of like you know you if you f- the puzzle of them is just like finding where they are they're almost like korok seeds or something where it's like the puzzle is like getting to them um it'll be like oh i couldn't tell that there was a door here because of the perspective or getting over here required me putting my orb into one of those weird funnel shoot things but the funnel shoot thing was kind of behind something so you couldn't really tell it was there or or just like i didn't know i could walk this far and then you get there and you activate a thing and a weird bug flies away and and, yeah there's literally uh no real bonus except they um are like there like little dots like you, you can see them in the end like how many you collected per orb hmm. but there's I no did. like secret ending if you get them all or and it there's it does nothing 
end game. Right. Wow. That's good to know because I definitely only got like, I don't know, five or something. Not not that many. I'm pretty sure I left a lot of them on the table. Um, but I think that's fine. It was cool to see the ones I did happen across. Yeah. And there were someone online was like, there's a secret ending. And I was like, I don't want to look this up. So if anyone is listening to this podcast trying to hear about, I don't even know if it's real or not. So um, this is not the podcast to hear about a secret ending, but there are rumors if that is something you want to look up. Hmm. I am kind of interested. I might look that up, but I got to say, like, I don't think I'm tempted to replay this one. Like, it's beautiful. Mm. It's cool. When is that ever the case for puzzle games? That's true. Yeah. Like that's really the, that's really the thing. Like I, I, I'd probably replay inside or something like that before I'd replay this just because yeah. it's, you know, it, I feel like, I don't know, like I, I, I don't feel like resolving these puzzles, but I, I just loved the visuals of this. So I would watch a YouTube video of like alternate endings or something. Uh, but I, I don't think I'd ever replay this a second time unless, you know, I maybe give it five years until I've forgotten it all. Oh, it, it's like a super secret hidden ending. It's like like a Undertale, like going into the like it's that kind of like you got to do weird stuff for it. So yeah. does it? Okay. Do, you, do they a, have you deciphering the bug language or something? I don't know. I mean, I looked it up and it was uh, something yeah, about like. I, I there's definitely a lot of like writing all around, and it seems like the kind of thing that there's probably some. Uh, oh no. Yeah. If there, if that's a thing where like, you know, read all the writing and like decipher all the writing in the game and you learn really what the story is. I almost no, don't want to know. That's not, I, I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, this, there's no, there's, I like the lack of story in this game. Yeah. I love a world building game, but the world in this is, I like being in the world. That's mm-hmm. hard for a puzzle game. They can feel so samey. Often the skin and the art design is such an afterthought. It's just a, a okay, now everything is tinged purple. This felt a lot better. Again, maybe it's just because it's so physical. Like everything moves, everything unlocks, everything like has a really cool animation. Like I I didn't miss the story and I normally like need a story um, in a lot of games. So yeah, no, I, I, I thought this was refreshing and it's so unique. Like the, the visuals are so unique. I, I, I like really struggled to think of anything I could compare it to in terms of the visuals. And literally all I came up with was like weird album covers from the 1970s and mm. like maybe like for, for whatever reason, Thumper kept coming up in my mind, but it's probably literally just because it's a shiny bug in space. Like that's, that's the lighting, that's, like the, the yeah. color, the neony nature of the orbs lighting feels kind of thumperish. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty like far comparison. I, I don't know what else to really compare this to. I just think it looks really cool. I was very into its whole visual style. Um, extremely good aesthetic getting yeah. to end. Yeah. So cool. And that really carried the game. Like I didn't need it to have a story uh, because it really, I was just so interested to see what everything was, what the next thing was going to look like. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, uh, the bosses to me were a great example of that motivation. Like it, I, I'm, that's why I continue to be surprised. You don't like those bosses because you would complete the section of puzzles and then it just felt like such a treat to see the big weird bug and uh, fight it. Each one of them was very <laughs> strange. Also, you know, I, I, I again, I'm so mad about the audio bug, uh, but the oh. soundtrack to this is so good, especially mm-hmm. in those boss fights. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. 
I didn't mind. Justin was making dinner while I was um, failing repeatedly on one of the boss fights just because of like execution. I was like, I know what I'm doing. I just, mm-hmm. my, um, I'm not warping fast enough. Um, and he just comes, he's like, I really like this track. It's like, great. Cause you've been hearing it for half an hour. <laughs> like, and, and I didn't get sick of it be, because I probably, cause I'd like the music. Had that been annoying, I would have probably been way more frustrated. I was playing this with my wife in the room and she was not a fan. She was like, what is this oh. music? <laughs> <laughs> Very not into that much synth. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think I was at some like slightly dangerous part, maybe a boss fight or something. And mm. it was get, getting a little repetitive for her. I felt kind of bad. Um, I'm not sure what else there is to say about this one other than that. Like, I think this one gets a very high recommendation from me. Like I, I would recommend folks check this game out. Uh, if you have game pass, this is a no, uh, like no downside, like immediately go out and download yeah. this. Like, this is awesome. And even if you don't like this is this is like going to be on a short list for a lot of people's games of the year. I think I think it's it's definitely in the kind of in the ballpark of like, you know, it's definitely gonna be on my short list. And I, I had a, a wonderful time playing it. Um, I don't have a reliable time like hour count on it for me because um, Game Pass just simply doesn't really let me do that. Also, I played it across a couple of different devices. So I'm not really sure. Do you guys have a sense of how long this game was for you? I only made it to about 81%, but I think I spent about four hours with the game. That seems about right. I want to say five. I paused a lot. And so I'm like maybe five, five and a half. But again, I, I, that includes breaks. So I, 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 it's hard to say, like, I would say most people are going to be in the four to six range. Um, Yeah. And that absolutely tracks Uh, looking at how long to beat. They say four and a half. Uh, for main story, five and a half for completionist. I think, yeah, probably somewhere in the range of five hours is probably accurate for me too. And I will say this game is so fun to play. If you've got a partner who likes puzzle solving, I think probably my favorite hour, hour and a half was the last hour that I sat by Justin Mm -hmm. and we just kind of yelled at each other like, oh, put this in this. Oh, go to the left. No, go to the right. Like we kind of were very hyped to play the last hour of this game. Um, But it was really fun to... Um, both be so excited when we got that mental math of what order to Matryoshka doll the, the things and, oh. and, and all of that stuff was just fun to talk aloud with a partner. Totally. Not to spoil the ending or anything, but like I, I thought the ending was great. So like it yeah. does build up to something and like it's not one of those puzzle games where it feels like, oh, naturally we have to make the last puzzle that you encounter the very hardest one. Like, no, this this has, a, I think, a much better sense of like uh, scale and pace than that. And so like the last few puzzles actually get simpler as they go along, but they do have something unique about them. And the the very last few moments of the game, I thought were mm, so good. Really, really yeah, you, you You get to a point where you've done some pretty difficult stuff. And then the last one is, use all those skills go um and it's it's a tidy puzzle but it's it's it is akin to that um tower of hanoi puzzle where you've you finally are at the end and you got the last like four things and you're like yeah yeah stack those stack those rings on top of each other i'm the smartest (laughs) person in the world that's the same feeling as finishing this game um Mm -hmm. they do not make you suddenly have to it's not like finish the hardest puzzle in the game curtain. Um, you get a victory lap, which I really enjoy. You don't get that that often. 
Yeah, that's true. I think the so, games uh, that are in this kind of micro genre of like push on through uh, puzzles like this, they'll often do they do like to give you a nice victory lap. I think about the, you know, almost compared to like Journey or, or, or something. Yeah, I but thought of Journey at the end of two. Inside has a hell of a victory lap. Um, ha, yes. I still think Inside has like one of the best final acts in all of video games. Like I was like. I was like pumping my fist in the air, like stomping the floor during the last, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of inside. I think it's just, I mean, not to say that it's like shouting. It's it's just so, yes, just, just hollering. Loved it. Such a good ending. Yeah. Um, This was us hollering at each other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I finished this way too late at night to do any hollering, but Mm. maybe internally. Um, any last thoughts on on uh, on Cocoon? Uh, like I said, I think it's it's a great game. I think everybody should check this out. Uh, five hours or less, and it's on all of the things. So you definitely have a device that can play this game if you're listening and to this podcast. Despite boss battles, it's very combat light. Yes, I would. I would. There are no guns. You fight bosses, but they are bloodless. So no guns, I think only orbs. <laughs> only orbs. <laughs> Well, we've got a little bit of time left here at the end. Shall we do a quick what's making us happy this week? Sure. Yes. Shane, what's making you happy this week? I will uh, shout out an anime that you put me on to. I really enjoyed the first season of Freerin. Uh, I forget the subtitle. Freerin. Beyond after, the Journey's End. Beyond the Journey's End. Yeah. So this was a fun one. Um Thanks for kind of recommending it. I know it's got a lot of, I know uh, things are crossing over when I start to see it on my other social media, stuff like that, which isn't usually um, going to put me onto anime unless it is getting to the level of a mini, mini phenomenon. And this one seems like it is. It's a anime about um, kind of the, you've got your traditional Dungeons and Dragons style adventuring party and uh, just before the beginning of the first episode, they have slain the demon king and saved the world forever. And um, the story then kind of follows as this party kind of breaks up and says, well, what are we going to do with the rest of our lives? I guess I'll see you around. And the, our lead character is the elf mage Freerin, who um, I just kind of uh, hasn't really put a lot of thought, it seems like, into the fact that uh, she's going to live for like 10,000 more years and her new best friends are probably going to live another 50, 60, whoever knows. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of uh, takes a, a lot of these really long um, montages uh, where you get this kind of slice of life element of, you know what it's what it's like living for a thousand years or whatever uh, you know for for being a long lived elf in a fantasy world uh who kind of seems to have not much to do um as she kind of figures out uh what she's going to do with the rest of her life and um kind of also comes to term with terms with the fact that things are getting away from her in terms of time and and she doesn't have the amount of time she might like to really reminisce on years that it turns out were very important to her, her adventures with her, with her friends who are growing old uh, before her eyes while she doesn't change. And uh, so it's, it's an interesting anime. It does get a little bit more conventional 
as it goes along in in season one. Um, but I think it it has a really fantastic start and uh, a lot of potential. So I was enjoying it. I think I've seen about seven 24 minute episodes of it and uh, getting getting a sense of how it's going and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, they're up to episode nine. I think it'll be a 12 episode season and I hope it gets a second one. I was really, really enjoying it too. So yeah, and it also um, it has a, a like a specially meaty first episode. Um, it's like a 90 minute or something like first episode. I, I forget, but like quite long for I, they did this like a whole like a intro I, I don't know why, what, why this model, but like they did like a, almost like movie length first episode. Um, maybe it was just 60 minutes, but it was like double length or something. And, um, that was really great because the first episode is phenomenal. Like it's, it's great. It's beautifully animated. Um, and like Shane said, it does get more conventional as it goes along, but like, it still stays interesting. And by then you're really bought in on these characters. So you're willing to like watch them do some anime bullshit. Um, so I, I really liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to make a, a just, you know, because Shane's got the anime covered. I, I'll, I'll be You're going to talk about magic version. cards, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be another version of the parody of myself and say, like, um, that I, I, I know I've talked a lot about, like, little gaming handhelds on this show a lot recently. But I was going to say that I, um, I got back into the DSi recently. Um, I just picked mine up and started messing around with it again. Um, if you haven't, if you don't have access to a good device for playing Nintendo DS games, um, then might I suggest the DSi? You can get a DSi uh, for about forty bucks on eBay, uh, which is an incredible deal because they are easily soft moddable. You can, you know, go through a, like a handful of steps and in about fifteen minutes have them playing, you know, any DS game that you want off of an SD card with no additional equipment required. Uh, it's a really simple process these days. Um, and uh, they are way, so I previously, like I, before I had a DSi, I was playing, I played all my DS games on the 3DS, which can certainly play 3DS DS games, but the scaling is terrible. So like, if you care about DS games, like playing well and looking good, you probably actually shouldn't play them on a 3DS. You should probably play them on one of the DS systems, either a DS or a DSi. And the DSi gets like, it gets overlooked because it was sort of like the weird, like mediocre update to the DS, right? Nobody bought one, um, but they're very inexpensive. But how many of them do you buying. own, Reagan? <sighs> Shane, how dare you ask that? I own two. I have the <laughs> DSi XL and the DSi regular. I recently bought the, the, I had the DSi XL already. I bought the smaller one because I got a good deal on a green one and I thought it looked green and cool and green. <laughs> um, well, that's minorly tempting because I will say my 3DS XL has not been used very much since I played uh, Luigi's Mansion on it and finished it because I bought the game because the weighting of it makes it, it is more tiring to hold that device than mm. my Switch. Like the weighting of it I think there's something about where the batteries or the something, something about the waiting makes my hands very tired playing it. I play it maybe like an hour when I would like I, the sessions were short due to the balance and the weight. So um, versus like a Miu Mini where I could play that thing for hours and hours and it would never make my hands tired. I, I guess I have very weak little hands, but um, I still <laughs> well, have the games I bought for the 3DS um, and I still enjoy playing several of them, but I haven't gone back to the physical ones uh, because I don't enjoy holding the handheld for more than an hour. 
Mm, yeah, that is a problem. Yeah. Well, the the uh, the DSI is very lightweight. That's another benefit of it. So if you get the actual the, like the regular size DSI, like they, like I said, they're cheap. Um, and they're cheap, you know, and I it's small, so I can hide it, and I won't get small. caught having bought another game console. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my wife Justin hasn't doesn't discovered my new DSI yet. <laughs> um. Yeah, and they they just like last forever. Like you know, mine has an original battery from back in two thousand and six or whenever the thing was manufactured, and it's uh, it's fine. So, um, yeah. So I I would and the the uh, if you need a game to play on it, um, I've been going through uh, one of the Castlevanias for the DS. There are three DS Castlevania games, and uh, you know we've talked a lot on this show about how like there's a uh, uh there's not enough short Metroidvanias. But hey, you know, there was a brief window of time in the GBA slash DS era where there was, we were getting a Castlevania game, an official Castlevania game, basically every year for like six years. And almost all of them are full-fledged Metroidvanias that you can play in 10 hours or less. That's a lot of those. So if that's something that you really like, like those, those are really good, actual, real Castlevania games that you know, with, you know, directed by Igarashi, um, and they're all pretty short. Um, so I'm, I'm, uh, working my way through, uh, order of Ecclesia right now. Um, harmony of dissonance for the DS is for the, for the GBA is my favorite, but like, um, uh, uh, Dawn of Sorrow is also pretty good. There's, there's some other, um, I forget the, like there's, there's, there's a lot of these. Um, so that if you need a reason to, to pick one of those up, that might be it. Anyway, um, Laura, what's making you happy this week? So I've been uh, reading quite a lot the last couple of weeks, uh, and I think I, I needed a break between like, after an incredibly heavy novel, um, and I picked up a ebook library copy of MCU: The Reign of Marvel Studios, which is a nonfiction book by a podcaster I enjoy. Several podcasters I enjoy, um, and it's just industry gossip about Marvel, <laughs> like. They assume you've seen the Marvel movies, but it's like all the backstage gossip, all the weird corporate mergers, all the weird like um, why like to- like why women weren't in Marvels because they didn't think they could do toys. Why they didn't do a Runaways movie because they thought teenagers only buy or kids only buy toys of 20 to 30 year old white men like just wild. You're like, oh, this is how decisions get made. <laughs> two people in power have a stupid opinion and they run things. And it's just that at scale. And and you can actually see decisions in the history of the company leading to the current state of Marvel. Like, ah, this is what's happening. Suddenly someone's in charge of everything and can't look at scripts anymore. And Oh no, <laughs> it's, it's a, it is a real life story. So if you like backstage, um, like industry drama and you, for some reason, haven't been following it over time, like it's a really nice, way to read the you know something that's very culturally influential i'm not a huge marvel fan i like them but i wouldn't i haven't seen a lot of the recent stuff but i find it really fascinating like how um two people arguing over lunch like ends up with a billion dollar movie so uh give it a read if you're interested it's also very easy to read like who doesn't want to hear about like how things actually went down? You don't need to know names. They explain to everybody who is like, if you don't know who Kevin Feige is, it will explain fun. I kept being like, Ooh, fun fact. Did you know that this happened on the set of black Panther? That story is that apparently there's the big 
like Black Panther was a very well-run shoot. But the one weird thing that happened was when everyone was fighting in the big waterfall mm-hmm. thing, um, day two of shooting, everyone's rubbing their eyes. Day three, everyone has red eyes. And they're like, oh, no, no there's parasites in water. And they get everybody. They tested for pathogens. There's nothing. They, they cannot figure out what's wrong in the water. And they bring everybody back. It starts happening again. And it turns out the water was reflecting the lights. They had lights oh. really bright. Um, to make sure that the black actors showed up on set. And they were sunburning people's eyes. Ugh. And I was like, oh my God. And so they just had everyone wear sunglasses. They're like, yeah, we didn't think about that because, uh, and I was just like, wow. Like, it's that kind of thing where you're going to learn, like, not anything about, like, the dumb Infinity Stones, but you're going to learn really cool, like, odd shooting things that happened about, like, who liked who and who hated who on set and the fact that like which one of the actors is best at stunts and all that kind of stuff. That's it's juicy, man. It's just very juicy. Really also, cool. you're like, Ooh, the villains are like, people are heroes and then they're villains and it's very fun. Um, that's so fun. I, you know, I, I, out of all of that, the thing that really stuck in my brain was like, it never occurred to me. Why haven't they done a freaking Runaways movie? That would be so good. They had a very good script, apparently. It was going to be before the first Avengers. Oh. They had a Runaways movie that everyone was like, wow, the script rules. And they didn't do it because the person who was the head of Marvel said that nobody bought toys of teenagers. And they killed the movie. And the excuse they gave externally was we're not doing any movies that don't tie into the Avengers. But that was just an excuse to cover up why they paid for a script and they didn't shoot it. Mm, that's too bad. Maybe they'll come back to it. I think it'd be it. I think it's still they made a Hulu series, which was pretty good. Oh, somehow I didn't know that. Well, because it's on Hulu uh, <laughs> and, and Marvel also kind of yeah. disowned it because it wasn't on Netflix or Disney Plus and because they don't have the rights to it, they don't can't do anything within it so i stopped oh, shooting what a shame. it yeah yeah know. so they did shoot a runaway series but because it ended up on hulu they like legally can't do anything with that yeah that sucks well now oh, well. that you know, now disney has an operating stake in hulu so maybe they'll come back in like that's that's mm-hmm. the thing about this book is it's like who disney buys ends up being what characters marvel can shoot it's all very strange have you seen this article that was in variety uh this mm-hmm. past week about the disaster at Marvel. Oh yeah. It's like a, that's like the coda to this book because Uh the book was published like September, mid September. And this is like the last month, (laughs) some extra stuff has gone down. Um, Oh man, it's juicy. It's about like what they're doing about Jonathan majors. It's about um, the SFX disaster that's gone down. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, hmm. I think they could just recast uh, Kang, right? No one would care. Yeah, I think they're just going to replace him with um, a Doctor Doom. No, they, they don't. They could still do Kang the Conqueror. They just they just yeah. recast it. They could. They don't need to switch but... to Doctor Doom. Doom yeah. would be cool we'll though. See. I don't know. I like Doom. I, I, I'm in favor of Doctor Doom, but the reason it, he's so tied to the Fantastic Four. And the Fantastic yeah. Four have always sucked on 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 film. They, they did this as a like we we hate Edward Norton, um, so they recast Mark Ruffalo, but they weren't allowed to do any Hulk in a its own movie because of legal things, and so that's why Mark Ruffalo just keeps showing up in everybody else's movie. 
because hmm. the Hulk can't have expert more than X percentage of screen time or else they have to give people money associated with the Edward Norton movie. And they're so petty. <laughs> they're just not doing it. That's so funny. <laughs> like, I think I'm the only fan of that Edward Norton Hulk movie. I think it was good. I thought it was a good movie. They hated working with Edward Norton. Because That's Edward, too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you want more of the Marvel gossip, which I certainly don't have, hit Laura up on our Discord. Yeah. yeah, or just read the book. Uh, you can find Laura on our Discord by becoming a patron of the show. You can go to shortgame.fm. That's the page with all the details about our show. And from there, you can jump to patreon.com slash the short game, the place where you, less you listener, can become a patron subscriber to our show. Uh, and for the low, low price of $3 a month, you can become a part of our Discord community. That is the main benefit of our Patreon, apart from our our uh, glowing warmth of our hearts directed in your direction. Um, but if you uh, join our Patreon, uh, we'll immediately get you access to our Discord. That's where we talk about the show, plan episodes. Uh, we've got a channel there for uh, IF Comp chatter right now. We're still talking about uh, Baldur's Gate 3. You can come in and suggest games. It's the number one place that we get suggestions of games for what we cover on this show is our suggest a game channel in our discord so we will we love people joining us there to, to suggest games you can of course suggest games to us other places too shortgame.fm has details on how to contact us you'll find us there um, let's see you can find me on the internet at reagan dot me that's r-a-y-g-a-n dot me and you'll find links there to all of my socials including mastodon which is probably the one that i use the most um laura where can people find you you can find me on x occasionally at laura j nash on blue sky the same and mastodon laura j nash at bird dot radio and Shane, where can people find you? You can find me um, at Reagan.me. And if you <laughs> click through to, you know, friends and family there, uh, you can find me on Mastodon at 8-Bit Shane. No, shoot. On Mastodon at Shane at bird.rodeo and on threads at 8-Bit Shane. And listeners, thanks again for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.